This is Government Gone Digital. I'm Dana Birchman, Chief Digital Officer here in Gilbert, Arizona, and I'm here today with Jessica Bautista and Liz Rowe, our two digital journalists. Jessica and Liz handle all of our video production, both short and long form, and are producing and creating video content here every day. I get a lot of questions about our public access channel, what we call Channel 11 here in Gilbert. People ask if we make weekly shows or what content we create for the channel, and the answer is that we don't create content for Channel 11. It's just another outlet where we put our content. When we got here and I started this job almost five years ago, we had three audiovisual techs who were running audio and video for public meetings and making videos here and there. And I made the decision to create two digital journalist positions instead and to expand our video production efforts and contract out that AV work for public meetings. So let's talk about Jess and Liz, why we don't see the value in creating content just for a public access channel. Because believe it or not, there's still a lot of cities that have entire staffs of people to create content just for the public access channel. I think the first thing we look at when we're producing content and and deciding where to put it is where our audience is. Um, And, you know, when you look at most public access channels and our public access channel, the way it works is the first off, it's available to... um, subscribers to the cable company. So at this point, a lot of people have um, switched over to DirecTV or satellite or have unplugged entirely and they're using Roku or Apple TV or smart TVs to you know, get their content. So they're not even in that pool to begin with. Uh, so that really narrows your viewership block a lot to begin with. And then you, know, you just look at people's viewing habits and where they're getting their news and information. And a lot of it is through social. You're right. And they're not sitting on their couch watching TV. Yeah, and they're not waiting for something to come on either. Um, so we uh, we prioritize, you know, YouTube. We house things on YouTube so that we can embed them in other websites and in blogs. And uh, we release our videos natively on Facebook and on Twitter. And uh, they actually, we've noticed that, you know, even in the past year after Facebook allowed you to n- upload natively and do the closed captioning and things like that, I mean, these video... Um, these video plays have gotten really good just within the social media websites, um, that they've gotten a lot more views, a lot more shares, um, and we can't even calculate that for Channel 11 either. Right. Well, remember the one time we were trying to figure out how many people we thought were really watching Channel 11 or what the value was, and it went to black. It was in fuzz for like 24 <laughs> That's our hours, calculation. and yeah. no one said anything. And I was like, well, I have a pretty good sense of who's watching if it was literally mm-hmm gone down for more than 24 hours. We didn't get an email, a call from a resident, nothing. So I figured at that point, well, that was a pretty good test for us to see where they were at. And I do think that there's a segment of residents that will tune in for particular public meetings, council meetings, or whatever that might be, but they can also watch those online. Mm -hmm. And so again, I would argue that most people are online. We should say that our demographic is average age of 32 here in Gilbert. And so again, going where your audience is, like you mentioned, Jess, that's where our audience is. They're not at home watching public access TV. So if you are a city where your demographic may be a little older and perhaps you do think you have a high viewership on TV, then then it might be more worth your while. But for us, we just have felt that creating content specifically for that purpose wasn't going to be providing the value to the taxpayer that we believe it, it should be. I would even argue that even older generations, even my dad's generation, they're all going online. He's not sitting at home watching a public access channel. I think the public access channel is just 
a thing of the past. It's something that's moving in the direction of the past. And if you want to be out and forward thinking, you need to be online. That's where everyone goes. I think I would I would argue that our generation, it, we're in that demographic, Jess and I. And of course, you know, we're going online because that's where we go for our content. But even up into my dad's generation, my grandparents' generation, they go online too. I think I talked to a neighboring city and they were saying that they do a weekly show, which is a lot of time for production. You have to do the pre-production. You have to plan your guests. They do actually hair and makeup for their guests. They plan topics and what the questions are going to be. And they were only put doing this for their Channel 11. And I said, it's not even on YouTube. And at the time, and this was a little bit further back, I think now they've, they're also putting it on YouTube. And they said, no, they wanted people to come to Channel 11 to watch it. So they weren't putting it other places. And, and to me, that's the opposite of what we're doing. We're creating content and we're trying to get cumulative views. I talk about this a lot. Used to also be that you would look at how many views do you have on YouTube. And now it's with native, you kind of have to add all of the views together and take a guess. So you might have a few thousand views on YouTube. You might have a few thousand views on native Facebook. You might have a few thousand on Twitter. And so you can can add those together to get an estimate of what you think your total views are. And so instead of just focusing on one area and saying, and for them it was, well, we're going to make sure if our residents want to see our content, then they have to go watch Channel 11. To me, that just doesn't make any sense. If they're not home and they're not available to do that during that time, and the other thing is the timeliness of it. If something's airing, how many of us plan our lives around being home to watch a show at 8 o'clock at night anymore? That's just not how None it works us. anymore. <laughs> and so we just watch when it's convenient. So whether that was DVR or now, like you said, anything with Apple TV or Netflix, anything you're able to get into to watch from wherever, whenever you want, this is really powerful. And I think for us, I know it sounds, well, yeah, that's what everybody's doing. This is what we should be doing. But other cities aren't doing this. Why? Why do you think they aren't? It's hard to say why they aren't. And, you know, a lot of it might be just that it's, it's the old adage of we've always done this this way. Um, you know, and we've, our whole team, we've never been afraid of trying new things and, you know, keeping that envelope, pushing the envelope and, um, and trying to stay ahead of the curve when it comes to tech, when it comes to, you know, social media and, and video production. Um, but, you know, the, the thing that, that kind of makes me think of is, is, it's really hard to change your audience's habits. So a viewer is going to go to their favorite site or their favorite place to get information. You need to meet them there. Um, you know, it's very hard to persuade somebody to click somewhere else or, you know, turn on the TV at a certain time. And so by embedding all of our videos natively in every site that we have, we're kind of expanding that reach and we're going into people's houses, meeting them where they already are. And I think that's the smart approach. I also think about the resources it takes, the time it takes yeah. to plan those shows, doing the hair and the makeup and putting this all these resources into this production where who who's really watching that? Why wouldn't you want to try and get the maximum value out of that by putting it absolutely everywhere you can? I agree. Another question I get a lot is, do we have a studio? What kind of a studio? So when I started here again, I was doing the research and going around visiting other cities and kind of looking at how they set up their communications departments, how they manage their Channel 11 or any of their video production. And a lot of the surrounding cities here have studios and nice ones, really nice. Some of them are new, brand new. 
And I kind of loosely wanted to title this episode, Your Community is Your Studio, because I really think you're doing a disservice to your residents and your community when they're looking at the same studio every time you're shooting something. For us, we feel we're out, we're in the community, we're, again, where our residents are, we're downtown, we're in our new businesses, we're in our parks, we're outside. It's beautiful. As we know, we don't deal with, you know, winter elements here in Arizona. We have beautiful sunny days almost you know, 350 days a year. And so we take advantage of that. And so I think that's another really important point to make is you don't need a fancy studio with all the bells and whistles. You just can go out into your community and find people. And it might be your council members that you have made commitments to be on weekly shows. We don't do any weekly shows. Talk about the types of videos that we produce. I mean, we don't have any set series. Um, we do we do do some series work where we'll focus on on the job, which shows um, various workers across the town that are doing their jobs out in the community. But talk about um, the type of content that we're creating. It's not. It doesn't lend itself to a weekly show. Yeah, and and to to what you were saying before about the studio. You know, you can. Put somebody in front of a green screen and put the background, you know, as the picture of the park, or you can just put them in the park. Um, and so that's what we do. And we do have uh, kind of... Oh, I should say, before I got here, there was a studio that existed in a basement of one of our buildings. And our da- I still to this day have not seen it because it's not in our town hall center. And it was in the... They, it was like a dungeon in this basement <laughs> and they had a green screen... And I mean, I literally never even saw it. I said, that sounds great. I'll probably never see it, you know, moving on. <laughs> so again, and, and you know, you, you don't have, that's another point to make. You don't have to invest in a bunch of fancy resources. So that's lighting, that's, you know, sets, backgrounds, green screens, and things like that, that we don't need. It's cumbersome. It's expensive. Um, the upkeep is expensive, things like that. And we just, we just can operate more efficiently without it. Um, but to answer your question, the, we have, we do have series like the on the job series. Um, we had another series called you asked, we answered, uh, where, you know, we would get these kind of common questions and from residents. And so we would take whoever was the expert on the topic. Um, one of them was with the fire department. You know, when I call 911, why does a fire truck show up instead of just an ambulance when I need an ambulance, things like that. And we have the experts explain the answer. Um, so these these are all kind of like little These are really segments. popular social videos, right? Yes, because they work on social because they're a minute and a half. And I think that's the bottom line as to why we don't have a show because everything we do is, most of the things we do, we do have our digital state of the town, which is longer format and a couple of other things. But um, the majority of the things that we do day to day are a minute and a half, two minutes long. You can watch it on your phone. Um, you get the information and then you move on. And that's how people consume news these days and, and how people consume even, you know, the videos for fun and viral videos. You think about how long you're willing to sit there and watch somebody talk or a video about something. And it's about a two minute attention span. So putting on a 30 minute show every single week is just not necessary. And people don't even really want to click through anymore. Remember when it used to be that you put the YouTube link everywhere and you expected people to go from Facebook to YouTube and Mm -hmm. watch a video? They're not even willing to do that anymore. And, I mean, some will if that's the only option, but more likely than not, if it's not on there natively, you're going to have less of a chance that they're actually going to click through, go to another site to watch something. How crazy is that? Not only are they not going to be sitting on their couch watching Channel 11, they're not even willing to make another click. They can't do one click. (laughs) If Mm -hmm. it doesn't autoplay and get their attention, it's... And this is changing all of the time. So that's another really important 
important point to make is that if you invest in something or commit to something like a studio, um, the way that video is changing and the way you share it, it, literally every six months, it's something different. So you need to be able to be flexible. Absolutely. And the the point to make about not having a weekly show is that doesn't hold you to any format then, specific format. So the nice thing is we can go out and if we find a story in the community, we go out, we shoot that story, we turn it, and we post it maybe that week or the next week or when it becomes topical. And you have that story ready. It's a quick, it might be like Jess said, definitely under two minutes, maybe one minute story. And that's how people just consume information now. They can watch it online. They watch it on Facebook. Um, we're even doing Snapchat stories now. Um, that's just how people like to consume their information. It's quick, easy. They can watch it on their phone, and it's accessible at their fingertips. And a great example of that would be goat yoga. <laughs> so why don't you guys talk about we, – we saw something that was getting a lot of attention in Gilbert. It sounds very bizarre, but if you haven't seen it, you should visit our channels and try to find our video content about it. Um, but we did Snap and 360 video and cut a package. So there's ways that you can cover things like goat yoga, which is a really hot um, Gilbert business right now. People are <laughs> flocking from all over to see goat yoga. And it's Sounds bizarre, but it's really quite interesting and adorable. Um, what's cuter than people holding baby goats? So talk about how you came across that story and then what the thought process was, how you were going to, you know, behind how you were going to cover it from a video perspective. So originally, uh, my sister actually sent me an article about goat yoga, and that's kind of how I initially um, found out about it. And we saw that there was a class in Portland, I believe, in Oregon, that had a thousand-person waiting list, and then we saw, oh, we're, they're doing this right here in Gilbert. We have to go. We have to go see this. This is going to blow up. So we contacted April, who's the owner of Goat Yoga. We said we're going to come out there. We're going to shoot a story, do a quick interview, and we really didn't know what to expect. We knew there was going to be goats and yoga, and that was about it. <laughs> yeah, so. That's all you can expect <laughs> from that. <laughs> so we decided, oh, well, you know what would be fun? It, you know, we're both familiar with yoga. Let's bring the three. 60 camera because everyone will be circled up. I think that'll be a really great, you know, way to kind of be very interactive. So we brought the 360 camera, just set it up in the middle of the circle and it, it actually rolled for two minutes before a goat knocked it over. <laughs> the only thing we ran into was we did, we did have a goat interference after two minutes, but it was fine. <laughs> the camera is okay. <laughs> the camera's fine. Um, but it was really cool. And we got such great response online from the 360 video. People were, oh my gosh, this is so cool. This is awesome. How do I, you know, I want to go to this class. This is such a great thing the community is doing. So that was from the 360 video. And then we also, um, like Dana mentioned, cut an actual story from it. And it's just a great community story. And the reaction we've been getting is amazing. I think we have over 300 um, comments online about it. And we have it, uh, it's less than a minute video. So we actually posted it on Instagram as well. So people are really, people are watching videos on Instagram now too. And that's a point to make is Instagram, the max time you can have your videos is one minute. So it's great for those short little community stories, very interactive, and you're going to see a huge response from that. That's a great point. Even when we have videos that are longer than that, like for example, we just premiered our digital state of the town and we can cut shorter versions like minute long versions or less and also put those on Instagram. So don't be afraid you know, because you hear, well, my video is two minutes, so I guess I can't put on Instagram. Like sometimes you're going to have to cut various versions of video to go in different places. And again, that's going to take a little bit more work, which is another reason why for some people they might think, well, it's just easier to make it 30 minutes and put it on channel 11. But 
again, we do have separate versions based on the channel and where we're at. And just know that that sweet spot is usually about a minute. Gosh, I remember when it was three minutes. It used to be three yeah. minutes. It's got to uh-uh. be, you know, you want it Tension to be three. Tension spans are getting a lot shorter. Mm-hmm. And now <laughs> it's like a minute, a minute, a minute to a minute and a half is kind of what you can expect. I mean, we're busy, right? And I think about what I'm able to watch. And another important thing is text, um, using graphics and text, because how many times have you been in a meeting and you're scrolling through and you really <laughs> would like to watch that video on goat yoga, but you can't. But if you could read the text and know what it was, you could do it while you're multitasking, right? Because you're yeah. still paying attention to your meeting. You're just multitasking. Absolutely. But you can't necessarily click on it or have the sound. So the text is another really important piece to grab people's attention and something that we use here as well. I think, um, I, you know, to kind of piggyback off what you said about Instagram, these these different outlets uh, for our videos that we post everywhere have different constraints. So Instagram, that's only a minute. You know, YouTube and Facebook support 360, but the other um, social media outlets don't. Twitter, you have another time limit. And um, obviously you have all the time in the world on Channel 11, um, but it's a, it's a totally different ballgame. So we don't see these constraints as constraints. We see them as opportunities. You know, we have a 360 camera. We have these two outlets where we can do 360. So on this one story, instead of just bringing one camera and shooting one thing, you know, we use that as an opportunity to do it at a different angle and to use those constraints or those, you know, parameters in the social media outlets to make something a little bit different or a little bit unique and kind of tailored to those different channels and those different audiences. And I should mention, too, that we do still put and broadcast public meetings on our Channel 11 because that might be something that says, well, we, you know, you might hear from a city, well, we have to, we can't get rid of Channel 11 because we have to do that. I thought that. We don't. I don't have a requirement. I do have to broadcast the meeting, but I can do that online. I can do that on our website. I can stream it. I don't have to put it on the local cable channel. So you may want to take a close look at what your policies may be if you're out there in your city and you're listening. Um, What are your requirements? What do you have to do? Um, Because I would beg to argue, I'd probably argue that people are more likely to be watching online than they are from their couch in their living room anyways, or recording it on their DVR and coming home yeah. and watching a council meeting. Again, they're they're out at dinner. You know, these meetings are at seven o'clock. Most people are just, you know, if they have to kind of stay tuned into to an agenda item or something, you know, you can pull up your iPad at dinner and kind of have the stream going because we still stream it online. And of course, we still broadcast it on channel 11. But like you were saying, these these people aren't sitting at home in front of the couch. They're out and about. And it is important to look at your analytics. A lot of times, like I said, the cable companies can't give you those numbers, but there are ways. I know, for one, with our online views, we don't have a lot of live online views of our public meetings. We have a lot of people that go back and watch after the fact, and I would argue it's probably staff. Um, that are going back and looking either at their presentations or what the council members said about a particular item. So that's really important. But I'm not really sure that residents and bi- people that have busy lives are have the time to be committing to our two-hour-long meetings. I mean, think about when's the last time you sat down and really could watch a movie from start to finish without being interrupted. I know it's almost impossible for me. And so again, we talk about what's the average age of our residents? What what are they doing in their lives? What Again, going where they are, being online, being on social, 
knowing that their average age 32 for most of our residents, they're busy. They're probably either working or have, you know, they have young children perhaps. And so they don't have time to sit down and watch public meetings or come to public meetings. So just something to keep in mind if you're considering or wondering um, how you'll make the move. Because I think people feel um, tied, like you said, afraid to change. Well, we've always done it this way or everybody else is doing it this way. And I am surprised that I don't see more cities doing this because I think it's more cost effective and more affordable. I mean, like you said, you might have to make an investment in a few pieces of equipment, but how much is a 360 camera on average? Ours was, the whole package I think was $700 or less than that. Yeah. Um, you can find one for around $500. Oh yeah. Yeah. We, we got a good one that'll last us a long time that has really high quality video. Um, but you can, you can get the little tiny ones that aren't good quality for, for real cheap. And so much that you can do with your phone. That's another thing we've talked about in other episodes, but I want to bring up again is there's a lot you can do with what you probably already have without oh, yeah. going out and, and making iPhone, big investments. Yeah. yeah. Shooting on your iPhone. I mean, they, they shoot really quality video now. One, you know, just microphone adapter. That's a good quality sound. So just a little, a few adjustments and, and you can be completely portable. And compare that to the cost of a studio. Oh Yeah. And not only the cost of a studio, but then you're tied to the studio only. So the only option is that you're in the studio versus if we decided one day we needed to shoot or wanted to shoot in a studio, we still have the option Mm -hmm. of doing that. Absolutely. And two people, like I mentioned, we have two digital journalists doing all of our video, both short and long form. And again, I've seen cities that have large staffs of people for production and so forth. And so think about staff time, not just cost of the actual production, but think about the staff time that goes into that. If, if we did a weekly show, the two of you, you would spend, I would argue, at least 20 hours of your week, half of your week, focusing on prepping for that show, writing scripts, actually producing it, you know, if prepping guests, being sure they're ready, prepping council members. Because I know um, one local city does a council member show where every week it's a different council member focusing on a different issue with a different guest. I mean, that is very time consuming, especially doing something. A lot of preparation. And then again, uh, the end result, you can't share everywhere. Yeah. What are you, what are you getting out of that? I think that's the most important thing. If you're, if you're looking at video and you're looking at how to reach a new audience, think about, you know, what is the value? What are you getting out of it? And for me, when I came in, luckily I was able to kind of have a fresh perspective and I could take a look at what we were doing, whether it was working or not. But if you've been doing this for a while or years, you know, it's a great time, I think with the industry and video and and the capabilities that you have, like I said, already probably in your hand to just really stop and reevaluate and think about what you're doing and what the value it is that you're providing for your citizens. Well, thank you so much for listening and thank you to both for joining me. Um, be sure to engage with us on social media. If you have questions or comments for us, you can use the hashtag GovGoneDigital. Also, feel free to leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think about this podcast and we'll see you soon from Gilbert, Arizona on Government Gone Digital. Gone Digital.